to him who loved us and washed us from our sins by his blood and made us kings and priests to God the Father, to him the old glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. In Christ's name, let me delay the introduction of the sermon text with an explanation. We have four assigned readings from Scripture for every Sunday, every occasion on the church calendar. Four. Now, three of them are always obvious, at least in this service, also in Ignite. We have our reading, usually from the Old Testament, except during the Easter season when it's from Acts. We have the epistle, that's the archaic way of saying a letter from usually the Apostle Paul. He wrote most of them, but maybe Hebrews or James, uh, Peter, John, even Jude. And finally, the Holy Gospel, alternating between years, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and interspersing John were in Mark this year. But there's one other. And in my time with you, I've always had it printed, at least noted in the bulletin, there is a psalm for each day. I had prepared things up until last Sunday and the end of that little sermon series we did, Life in this Pentecostal Church, it was titled. Looking ahead, I thought, well, how many more weeks do I have with you? We are meeting today at 12.30. I hope all of you will attend. We need the quorum to call the next settled residence senior pastor. Trinity Lutheran Church in a different sort of way. I'll share details in the announcements and we're hoping that he'll accept the call and arrive early so I thought how many weeks do I have? I can't really do a full sermon series. Maybe on Ephesians because we're now going to hear Ephesians each week but now I thought maybe not. And then I looked at that song for each week. I looked ahead a few weeks and I noticed in at least the first few there's always one line that has intrigued me. Years and years ago I went through all 150 psalms and took notes and kept it in that Bible. Uh, little verses and phrases that, that need to be remembered from that particular psalm and in the upcoming weeks, I found one from, from each of the psalms. I almost came up with a sermon title, since it's only one line, not even a whole verse. I was going to call this sermon series <laughs> Just one little line I, I know is dear to me, I hope therefore dear to you. And, and, and relevant for our life together here in the coming weeks. Today, the appointed psalm is Psalm 85. But I want to focus on just one line. We used it as the intro it here today. And really just one half, not even a half of one verse. Verse 10. 
Did you hear? You were the ones that spoke it. Righteousness and peace. Kiss. I have it already underlined in this Bible, probably in this Bible too. Righteousness and peace. Isn't that an interesting truth from God? I think it's unique, really, in the Bible. I've never found anything quite like it. Righteousness and peace, two huge, huge truths from God. Let's pause for a second and define them. They're church words, Bible words. We throw around a lot. Righteousness is the typical Hebrew word here. Zedek. We get the name Zedekiah from it. Yahweh is my righteousness. Zedek in the Hebrew, also the Greek word used for it in the New Testament, Dekiasune, they both have the connotation of being right with God. I always tell people just take out the middle syllable, rightness. It doesn't necessarily mean there is no wrongness about you actually, and indeed there is in our sin. But somehow, someway, through someone, there is a rightness we have before God. They taught us at seminary, it's always fancy word, forensic, a public Declaration. Always think of a courtroom when you hear this word or the word that comes from this root, justification, the main article of the Christian faith. Think of the judge, God, rendering the verdict upon you, your sin, upon me, damnable sinner, not guilty. Not guilty. You've met the court's standards. Somehow, some way, I'll get to. <laughs> of course, I'm afraid you know. It's always a gift, undeserved. You know, we Lutherans celebrate the start of the Lutheran Reformation uh, over 500 years ago on, on what day? October. 31st, 1517, the eve of all saints, Martin Luther came out and hammered into the church door in Wittenberg the 95 theses, sentences for disputation. But it actually really started, at least for Martin Luther, five years earlier, explicitly, he noted this. In 1512, while teaching at the University of Wittenberg, a course on the Psalms. The Psalms. Luther came across Romans 1.17. Saw it in a new light. He had seen it before, of course. Romans 1.17, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. From God to us. Not, not from us to God. 
Luther had to try, you try, I try at times, deluded by Satan and our own sinful flesh, to do it ourselves. That's not the truth of righteousness in the Bible, the gift of righteousness in the Bible. It comes from God. And it brings peace. This word you do know in Hebrew, right? It's still a greeting today amongst Jews. Shalom. Shalom. Not just the absence of outward strife. In fact, it can be in the midst of outward strife. You have shalom. It means wholeness, completeness. It's a word used for health. Shalom, health, and wholeness be to you, especially with God. Righteousness and that, that wholeness, peace. They kiss. Here, Psalm 85, 10. And I think only here in the Bible do we see that description. Righteousness and peace, I'll show you in a minute, we go together in other scriptures, but only here do they kiss. It is the simple word for kiss there, used of uh, Isaac, when Jacob came in to deceive him, come kiss me, son, and so that he could get close. And in his blindness, right, smell him, touch him, know who he was, so he was deceived. It's used of uh, uh, Jacob with a wife. It's used in Song of Songs, of course, Solomon and his love. It is the word kiss with all that intimacy and, and, and personalness. There, there is a personal relationship, I think, revealed in this little verse between righteousness and peace. When I saw this years ago, and again this week it was reaffirmed, I cannot help but think of one, one person immediately. Righteousness, peace, in a personal way. You may know this, and I think I've mentioned this name in a sermon previously. I couldn't find the sermon, maybe I preached. In the Old Testament, also mentioned in the New, Melchizedek. You know that name? Melchizedek only appears one time in Genesis 14, and then just briefly, Abraham coming from a battle encounters Melchizedek. He's called King of Salem. And Melchizedek comes out of nowhere and blesses Abraham. Abraham, he was called then. And Abraham gives him a tithe, a tenth, as an offering acknowledges him in a divine way. Now Melchizedek is named in Psalm 110 in a messianic psalm. That's a psalm about the coming Messiah. Spoken maybe of David or Solomon, yes, but really talking about the coming, the coming Christ, the King, the Anointed One. And there it says, God has anointed you. Or no, he did it right. God has sworn and will not change his mind. You, the coming Savior, are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. 
before I even get to that obvious fulfillment there, it's quoted of Jesus Christ in the letter to the Hebrews over and over again, Hebrews 5, Hebrews 6, Hebrews 7. I want to show you how righteousness and peace come together. In this personage, this prediction of the Savior, what is his name? Melchizedek. Did you hear that? King of righteousness. And he's listed as the king of Salem. Same root word as Shalom. He's the king of righteousness and the king of peace. I wonder if even in Genesis 14, this personage is not the very Son of God, second person of the Trinity come, pre-incarnate to appear to Abraham, and then prophesied to come in the flesh and be as our Savior. It surely is Christ who weds righteousness and Peace. 1 Corinthians 1.30 Christ has become for us our righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Ephesians chapter 2 we're going to hear in the Ephesians series He Himself is our peace. Righteousness, peace. That, that's our Savior. And there is one verse where Indeed, they're both mentioned of his work. Romans 5, verse 1. Paul says, Therefore, since we have been justified, that's the word there, declared righteous by faith, trusting and receiving that gift of God, the forgiveness of sins, we have peace with God, wholeness and completeness with God through our Lord Jesus Christ because of Him. He worked your righteousness, your rightness, keeping the commandments expected of you. And He is your peace when you are tempted to think otherwise. Bringing a peace that passes all understanding and keeps your heart and your mind in Him. Philippians chapter 4. Assuring you through this word that you are a child of God, that you are forgiven, that you are an heir of heaven. Imagine the courtroom again. If you were accused of a felony, yes, you committed, but were found not guilty, I think you might carry around that document with you everywhere you went, knowing your crimes, repentant of them, Wondering if they would affect you in the future. You got the document, right? The judge has declared not guilty. And you show it to others. I'm not guilty. In the eyes of the judge, I am forgiven. I have full status. And from that comes your peace. There is another verse, at least one of them. I got two, actually that mention righteousness and peace together. There is Isaiah 32. 
Amid some other promises of God, the Spirit being poured out from on high, as mentioned earlier, it says the effect of righteousness will be peace. And the result of righteousness, quietness, and trust forever, it will strengthen your faith when you know your righteousness in Christ. And it will give you peace and quietness, calm. Indeed, one other thing is connected. There's one other verse, at least, where they're both mentioned. Romans 14, 17, describing the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. It's not the outward things. It's not what we do try to earn God's acceptance. But righteousness. Peace. And joy in the Holy Spirit. As you go forth with Christ's righteousness and peace again today, that's why we gather to grow strong in it and go forth. You go forth with joy as a witness to others. It's seen what's happening here today in you, through you. I tried to think of a picture of righteousness and peace kissing. Immediately, I, I did think of the most famous statue, Rodin's The Kiss, right? And then I thought, oh, wait a minute, that's a little bit romantic, even erotic for our purposes here, so I take it off the screen. But then I Googled it, righteousness and peace kissing, and you can do it too. And this picture came up. Doesn't it summarize everything? In one person, who is God and man, united with an innocence of perfection that is your righteousness, indeed, with a, a certain peace, even I would say a, a, a joy. That's you. As righteousness and peace 